1: Another episode of Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 327. Hello, hello,
2: everybody. We are very excited to be doing the show after like seven misfires to finally get the show recorded. <laughs> we are here and we are very excited. It is an odd-numbered show. We have a guest once again. We have invited onto the show, possibly our most frequent reoccurring guest.
1: Family Gamer extraordinaire.
2: Nick Martinelli. What's going on, Nick?
1: Hey, how's everybody doing? <laughs> All
2: right. This week on the Family Gamers Podcast, we're going to talk about some games that we're looking forward to in 2023.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we've been doing some looks back this week. We're going to look forward to some stuff. Some of it we've talked about. Some of it we haven't. We'll see All how All of goes. it we're
1: going to talk about tonight.
2: Yeah, that's right. All right.
1: All right. Give us a fact. Daniel. All
2: right. Yes. I, I have two facts this week. Uh, I hope that both of these are at least somewhat relevant to some people here. Okay. Nick, are you familiar with the TV show Supernatural? Oh, yes. Seen every single episode. That means you have watched 327 episodes of Supernatural. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fact. The show Supernatural has 327 episodes. The other fact, I have been waiting, waiting until I could find this kind of a fact that would actually relate to the show that we're doing and it would actually matter. Board Game Geek, board game number 327, is the game Loop and Louie.
1: A classic.
2: The classic pseudo dexterity game, Loop and Louie, board game number 327 on BGG. All right. Those are my two facts about our episode number.
1: I have a uh, less exciting fact. It's almost tax season. Did you know most people pay down debt, pay for mid-sized goals, or save their tax refunds? Many financial experts out there will tell you not to get a refund because you're giving Uncle Sam an interest-free loan. First Move disagrees. If you're more likely to use your refund to save or pay down debt than if you got an extra $50 a month, why not let Uncle Sam have it for a few months so you get it all at once and make better choices? If you want to talk to First Move about some other habits you can build to take that next step toward your goals, go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and schedule a call thanks again to first move financial for sponsoring this episode of the family gamers podcast
2: yes thanks so much to that team we really do appreciate the ongoing support all right nick it is that time of the show you know what time it is what we've been playing it's time to talk
0: about what we've been playing so mr guest what's on your list Oh, gosh. Well, where do we start? We've been doing uh, some local meetups. There's a tavern we have in town, or um, tap room, I guess I should say, is a technical term for it, right? So they've been hosting, like, game nights once a month. And then uh, my buddies and I were kind of meeting up there a little more frequently. And uh, we've been playing a lot of Horrified. So we've been playing... The classic. You, you know, Are you playing the OG or the American Monsters? Yeah. Well, a little bit of both, because okay. a wonderful friend of ours for Christmas, uh, like a couple's gift, got, gifted me the Horrified American Monster version. So we've been as, playing a, as a couple's gift because Lisa plays horrified so much. <laughs> I mean, she she likes it. I mean, she played it a little bit in November, December when we met up with some friends at the tap right, right. room there. But but uh, yeah, I think it was more geared towards me. But <laughs> you think? I think her gift is still in the mail technically, I guess. So from what we heard, but. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I mean, we've been playing the regular horror fight up until I had recently got that one, and then our last uh, meetup at the tap room, we played and busted out the American Monsters version. Yeah, so American Monsters plays kind of just like the original, the OG one, the Universal Monsters. Uh, only the real difference is there's a whole new set of monsters. They all have different objectives to uh, to take care of to try to you know overcome or defeat them. Uh it's really good. I liked it. I was kind of unsure like if I needed it because I have the original horrified, but I was gifted it. So hey, I'll (laughs) give you a new game to the library any day. Yeah, it always helps, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean great production. You know, the monsters are kind of I crack up because I must not know my American monster folklore very well because I haven't heard of half of the monsters. I knew Chupacabra and uh, but they're like the Jersey devil I've heard of, but didn't know anything about it. So mm-hmm, some of the mm-hmm. other ones are kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know, it's different challenges. It mixes up. So we played the first two, like the easier mode. And we had one of those, like the reason why you play board game moments. So we were at this tap room played with t- uh, two other folks. We just had met that night at this meetup and we're playing and we got down to like the last, we were literally the last card monster car was drawn. It was my turn. And we're like, shoot, how are we going to win this? Like, we got to you know and then just like an epiphany hit me and i'm like wait a second if you do this give me that card do this and a couple switcheroo a couple things with the item cards we had and like i think we got it so we went and played through it and i was like holy moly and we chucked the dice and had one die roll left (laughs) and it hit that final like hit point that we needed and we won and literally we like jumped up and like everybody high-fived and we like screamed it was (laughs)
1: That's awesome! awesome. Uh, what's, Hello.
0: what's going on? It was it was, good. it was like a great first play of that game. So definitely nice. like one of those memorable tabletop moments. And now you play it every night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. All right. Well, I, I will start with uh, a game that we played literally immediately after we recorded the last show. <laughs> Anitra and I went upstairs and we played one of the five games that was on her list of games that she wanted mm-hmm. to play right away, which was Jekyll versus Hyde. We played it twice. I lost twice.
1: So I won as Hyde, and then I turned around and also won as Jekyll. It was great.
2: <laughs> I totally wasn't throwing it at all. Not I'm, even a little bit.
1: He was not throwing it. He was trying, and I was just giving him the beat down.
0: That's right. I mean, Andrew, you slaughtered me when we played it on Board Game Arena. All <laughs> <the> summer. So <laughs> well, you I, were learning I, how to play it at that point. Yeah, like, it it I still don't deal. think I get it, but, you know, it's all good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I am going to report that in the week and change since we recorded... We played four out of the five games that I really wanted to play. So we played Jekyll vs Hyde and Three Sisters and Turing Machine and Amhotep. The only game we did not manage to play was Endangered, and I knew that one was going to be more of a reach because it's more setup and it takes longer and all that. I tried,
2: man. Yeah, you I did. really did.
1: Like, I tried to maybe get the kids weekend. to
2: play it, and they just yeah. were not into it. And
0: it just—it's
1: fine. I'm a failure. You're—it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. What else you been playing, Nick?
0: Well, the one you've been talking about a lot lately on the show, Zombie Kids, the original. Mm-hmm. The, the original, show. okay. We've had it for a few years. We still haven't played through Finish It Up. You know, there's so many games in the library all the time, and, you know, it's tough getting the kids sometimes to the table, especially during the school year now. But yeah, on Christmas break when I was off, we played a lot of that and knocked out some missions and unlocked some extra characters, so the kids still enjoy it. I was trying to get somebody the other night to do, like, a two-player, because we still haven't done the two-player achievements. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. It was right before bed, and... Nobody wanted to bust it out, so hoping.
1: <laughs> we have the opposite where I get pulled in because they're like, "We still have three and four player missions we got to do." I'm right. like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. "Okay, sure."
0: Yeah, and you, you were all talking about the new the new one coming out, and your family's pretty much done with the second one. And I'm like, "Oh, we're so behind!" We <laughs> that And I want to get the teens, so I feel like so left out. So I want to.
1: For us, it has been completely driven by the kids. The yeah. kids have loved this game, and they've played a ton of it. Andrew and I have played it. A little,
2: right? but not yeah. very much. Yeah, it's just, I mean, when you give them very clearly the light at the end of the tunnel, they're like, all right, I got it. I'm going to do this. It's going to be great, you know. And they just, they grab the ball and they run with it.
1: That's well, just very much how stuff, they're wired. And when there's stuff to unlock along the way. Right. That yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: The whole gamification thing, just with the stickers alone was genius. I mean, they get a kick out of like, oh, I want to put a sticker on you. I want to put the sticker on this. Thing. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you do the stickers this mission and you can do the stickers the next mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one's always a good one.
2: All right. Next game on my list is a game that I actually set up and played solo which Anisha's not surprised by because she saw me do it. Nick, you're probably shocked that I played a solo game. Yeah,
0: jaw just dropped.
2: (laughs) But um, I set up Chronicles of Avel. So this is a game that we got in for review a little while ago. It's probably the longest backlog game in our collection. Pretty close. It's a cooperative kind of adventure game where you're like saving the world from this beast. And it's like a hex based game. So the hexes are, you know, mixed up. So it kind of changes a little bit every single time you play. There's... You know, four hexes that kind of make up the starting area. But you play as an adventurer and you travel around on the board and uh, you can beat monsters or there's a couple of different tiles that will let you do things like set up traps and all this stuff. And once you get to the end of this, it's kind of like a season or like a, a, a round track or whatever. Once you get to the end of it, the beast emerges and you have to kill the beast to win the game. There's a bunch of other stuff that kind of goes on. There's these monsters that will come up. There's small monsters and big monsters, and you have to fight them. They don't move until the beast uh, arrives, but once the beast arrives, they all start moving towards the castle, and if any monster gets into the castle, you immediately lose the game. Uh, You're always trying to kind of, like, kill these monsters to get whatever the perks are, and then you can use the perks to get things like equipment and stuff like that. Mechanically, like, it's a very kind of tried and true set of mechanics. You go around to different places. You roll some dice to attack stuff. They roll some dice to attack you. Hopefully you have some buffs so you can roll some extra dice. You try to beat the things, but it's, you know, mostly chance. And if you win, you get some gold and you can trade the gold in for equipment. But the thing that Rebel Studio does with this game that is so amazing is that they hit a home run for presentation. I mean, crushed it on the presentation of this game to the point where other board game publishers would do well to look at what they did with this game and copy it. And I don't say that very often. Usually I say things like I want them to come up with something original. I really like how they did this or how they did that or whatever. But this is the game. And we've talked about Karak on the show a lot. Catacombs of Karak or just Karak under, you know, Cosmos or internationally. We talk about this game a lot. It's this tile laying dungeon kind of crawl thing where you're searching for the dragon and you got to kill the dragon. And Chronicles of Aval really feels like the maturation of Karak. So you do set out the board at the beginning of the game, but you flip some of those tiles over as you explore them. So it's not quite as organic as Karak is in the sense that you choose to explore mm-hmm. and then you draw a tile and you put it down and you build out the map as you go. But everything else about the game... I think really represents a maturation. So in Karak, you have this kind of board, this kind of like inset board where you can have some pieces like the I think the hearts are are kind of inset into it and stuff like that. Here's what they do in Chronicles of Avell, which is absolutely brilliant. You have a bottom board, and then you have a character image that you rip off a pad of paper and you put that in, and then you put another board overlay on top of that. And what that overlay does is it kind of creates the shape of your character so that when you draw sword or helmet or shield tokens out of the equipment bag, they fit into the area where your character is and they sit on top of the picture that you ripped off of this pad of
1: paper. And you, that you may have colored in yeah. or customized so or whatever. Because
2: it's paper, you can totally like color in your guy while you're sitting there, doing whatever. You can maybe give him like a scars and other details or whatever. It's a piece of paper and it's you know totally fungible. The other thing that they do with this game, which I freaking love, is that you have a backpack, <laughs> and whatever you pick up in the game, you have to put in your backpack. And like, you can just kind of rearrange the tokens in the backpack. It's just like a holding area, however you want to. But if it doesn't fit in the backpack, you don't get to keep it.
0: Oh, okay. It's, it's not like the Jumanji backpack where no you everything.
1: No, yeah, backpack. no. It's this very literally. Simple. You have a set amount of space. You can rearrange stuff in it however you want, but it all needs to stay one layer. So if the next piece that you're trying to put in there doesn't fit, you either got to get rid of something else or you can't take the thing.
2: And that, like, includes the gold coins that you pick up. So, like, the game really discourages just, like, hoarding of all this stuff, right? It does a really good job, totally organically, of forcing people to kind of manage their equipment without it being obnoxious. And you can go to the market and you can sell your equipment for two coins and you can buy new equipment for three coins. Like it's, it's a pretty straightforward and easy way to migrate equipment in and out of your backpack. It's not a problem, yeah. um, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it's so smart and it's so simple and straightforward and easy to understand. And I love that about this game. And it makes it a great step up from a really simple tiling kind of dungeon crawly kind of game, like a karak it's, fantastic. The art in this game is great. I mean, they got some really good fantasy artists. There's like a whole backstory booklet, and then there's like a Constellations of the Skies sheet that's in the box. Like, there's a ton of world building that they did with this game that completely and totally doesn't matter. So, like, I'm hoping slash expecting that there's going to be kind of more games in this world, but I 100% would say this is a great game if you are stepping up from a Karak and you want to get to the next thing. Also, like, for people who have played Karak, as fun as it is and as good as it is and as much as kids enjoy it, it can get a little long in the tooth. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, Nick, if you've played it.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Tons. Tons.
2: But, it, like, after a while, you're like, okay, like, we get it. Like, you're just kind of, like, going through the motions. Can I
1: please just get the equipment right. so I have a chance to go attack the dragon? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: So yeah. the nice thing about Chronicles of Avel is, you win or lose you go through those 12 rounds or whatever and the beast comes and that's it that's the game man so like you're playing it's under an hour for sure um when you play this game solo you get four actions per turn instead of two Mm. like it was really smooth solo i think i might have accidentally taken an extra round or two and that's probably how i managed to win whatever like whatever it's a game yeah who cares it's really great. It's really, really good. I had a better experience playing it solo than we played it at three players, but also I did kind of understand the game a little bit better. Yeah. I really do want to get this to the table more and get more plays out, not only because I want to review the game, but because now that I've played it more, I actually, like, I really like it. I, I really like the variable nature of this game. I really like the way the equipment provides buffs. You can upgrade equipment in this game too. Like, it's got a lot of really interesting RPG elements without having an RPG rulebook. It's very light. Like if you can handle Karak and like you've, it's well like trodden in your house. Like this is a very obvious next step that I really, really like.
0: Board game. is saying this is it's co-op. How does the co-op it is? It's totally. Well, yeah,
2: because everybody's fighting these monsters and then this beast comes out and your goal is to destroy the beast.
1: Yeah. So like everybody is kind of doing their own thing early in the game. Although you really should be looking to the other players and saying, Oh, you know, I have this equipment that is going to be way better for you than it is for me. Maybe we can, you know, do a swap or something like that.
2: Yeah. So, like, uh, every monster has, like, a baseline color. Like, if it's a swamp monster, it's probably blue. If it's a forest monster, it's probably green. And so, like, you'll get equipment that's, like, if you fight a green monster, you get an extra red die or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, So, it's got, like, buffs like that. I will say for anybody, you know, who's thinking about this... One of the problems that we had the first time we played is that we were, like, afraid to get hurt. And as it turns out, like, you just got to dive into some fights. Like, you're going to get hit. You hit him back. It's fine. Mm. I had a much better experience with the game when I was like, you know what? I only have two dice, but I don't even care. I just want to fight some stuff. So, uh, yeah. But in our kind of classic room-to-grow kind of thing, Quest Kids Karak and then Chronicles of Avel is a really great transition for this kind of dungeon crawl type of thing for kids.
0: Okay. That sounds really cool. The graphics look amazing.
2: I know. They're, they're beautiful. Like, it's a really pretty game. So anyway, so that was
1: that. Me
2: playing Chronicle of El Solo.
1: So I will mention that you and I played a little bit more Star Trek super skill pinball. You kept transporting Tribbles to my ship. You transported them back to my ship. Well,
2: I was, I was, it was defense. What, what was I supposed to do?
1: So we played the Trouble with Tribbles uh, Obviously. table. <laughs> uh, which definitely has the most player interaction of any of these pinball games that I've played. Because when you hit a certain set of bumpers, you activate the transporter and you can transport triples away, which is pretty great, honestly.
2: <laughs> well, so the interesting thing about the game is that triples are a help and a hindrance, right? You, you actually want to have a balance of triples on your backglass because if you're in the middle with your triples, when you score triples, you get a ton of points. But if you have too many triples, then you have to start, like, scratching off things that you might want to use on your board, and it's not good.
1: First, they come down in point value until they're not worth anything. And then if you continue to get more triples, then it starts making you cross off stuff in the flipper zone so that you're going to lose your ball sooner. Right.
2: Yeah, it's not good. (laughs) I will say this, and this is absolutely going to come out when we write this review. Uh, We really enjoyed Super Skill Pinball, the original, but the problem, like, mechanically we loved it, but the problem with that game is that there's nothing to tie you to the pinball tables. Uh,
1: There's not enough of a hook. I mean, there are four very generic pinball tables, which is fine, but unless you're a super pinball enthusiast, you know, you play it a couple times, you're like, okay, that was a fun game. Yeah. However, if you are a Star Trek fan, and any kind of a pinball fan at all, you will like Star Trek's super skill pinball.
2: Like, I have to be totally honest. Like, it's not like the theme is so strong on this that, like, you couldn't play without the theme, obviously, because they had the one without them, but it's just enough. It's just enough to keep you coming back because there's some kind of, like, a narrative element that you can kind of fool your brain into thinking, if I just roll a four, I can do the thing for Captain Kirk. Or if I just roll a six... I can, you know, rescue Locutus of Borg. Yeah, I really, really want to defeat the Borg. Yeah, or whatever it is. I mean, and it's,
1: you know... It's kind of ridiculous, but... It's silly, but it's just So are Star Trek pinball tables in real life. They're always kind of ridiculous. So are every pinball table. I mean, every pinball table. (laughs) I think there is another set of super skill pinball that has a different licensed theme but do it's not like a whole really holiday, holiday thing
0: i think right it's like national lampoons there's a bunch of cr- oh that sounds right
1: maybe yeah.
2: that's sounds yeah that's uh,
0: possible
1: yeah I, th- I
0: think
2: they should keep iterating on this with with different ips i think that's a really yeah. smart way I think that's to right grow to this brand
0: so right. And and it's Swiss kids right so they should yep. have yep. a lot of different ips yes. yeah yeah yeah. Yep, yeah they, they do. should have access to a lot
1: just one more we sat down and played Mada again with the whole family I am really enjoying it at four or five players. At two or three players, it is just not its not an interesting game if there's not enough other people before it comes back around the table to you. Uh, we're going to do a snap review of that next week, so we'll talk more about it then. It's a nice light game, and it's great if you've got that larger, like not really large group, but like larger amount of people, and you're going to sit around and play after dinner or something. So, kind of a resounding meh on that one. Well, I mean,
2: the game is definitely not designed to be taken seriously. We talked about this on the show before. And I I think that it really, it's very, very group dependent. Yes. Um, If you have people in a group and you're like, oh, come on, play a game. Like, there are certain games that if you come on, play a game to someone to play that game, Mm -hmm. they're going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. They're going to have fun. It's going to be okay.
1: This is not. This one is of not the like
2: Green Team Wins would be a perfect example of a game where it's okay, like, uh, come and on, and then they get to play it, and they're like, you know what, this is actually like pretty entertaining. There's not a lot of board game there, but it's fun. It's a good group game, etc. Yeah. Like Mata's not really that. Mata is
1: Mata is a good game if you've got four or five people who are like, yes, let's play a short game right now, and they're all invested. When we played it with the whole family, not everyone was invested. It was fine. I mean, it goes quick. Yeah, it goes quick. And, you know, by the end, they were like, okay, yeah, this was kind of cool. But they didn't love it. And that's okay. Yep. Yeah. All right.
2: One more, Nick. What do you got for me?
0: All right. So this one's a shelf of opportunity one. And I, I want to g- give a nod to Board Game Arena because it really nudged me when I saw this came up and like, you know, for players that have beta access to games. So this is an older title. We're going back a few years. Gizmos from Phil Walker Harding. Mm-hmm. Yep, had a huge splash. You haven't heard too much of about it lately. You've, like heard all, everybody raving about it five years ago. Mm-hmm. I've had it for maybe two, three years. Open up the rule book. I saw all the iconography in there. And I kind of was like, had the moment where, like, I closed it and I put it back on the shelf. <laughs> and it, it's, it, it's almost embarrassing to say it because like you, like you both, I'm an IT professional and you know, we're used to icons and you know all that kind of stuff and dealing with you know, short nomenclatures. I just there's there's so much like the pick icons, the build icons, all these things. So I just I'm like, ah, I was just overwhelmed. Alice's paralysis kind of hit me just looking at the rule book. And then it came on BGA recently. So I started playing it on there, and I'm like, went through a video, started playing it with a friend, just a two-player game, and I'm like I wish I would have played this when we first got it. This game is so much fun. It's a great engine builder. I feel like you just need a reference sheet, probably for the iconography on the cards, just to get you going. But on you know, board game arena is a great place to learn and test out games because when you hover over a card, it actually it you, you
1: what, you what it
0: does. Yeah, so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Only if this was like you know, tactile, real life. Little maybe in 20 years we'll have little cards that'll shoot up. You know, little all pop the up tooltips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pop up tooltips. But yeah, it's a great engine builder. It's got like the whole potion explosion tactile thing. You get these little marbles that come out of the, I don't even know what it's called. The hopper. The hopper. Yeah, thank you. And you know, it goes on a little belt and you can just grab one and you're going to spend those marbles to build these cards. There's three rows of cards, you're level one, two, three. You can draft them. You spend the marble to you know build it. It goes on from there. You just build an engine of when I do something, I get extra marbles or I can archive an extra card. I can upgrade my storage and all this stuff. And it just kind of scales and you know, I've been playing it a lot and uh, just got some really some combo-tastic, you know, you talk about <laughs> the t- all the time being like the combo-tastic game. This one, you just keep chaining stuff and chaining stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I'm, you know, hate to admit it's been sitting on that shelf of opportunity for so long, but I'm like, <laughs> loving it now that I got a chance to play it.
2: Yeah, I picked up Gizmos in a trade a little bit ago when I was doing some engine builder... Research. Research, we'll say, for my game. Cool. And... I don't know. It was fine. We ended up putting it in the purge pile. So we're selling it at Tantrum Con in a couple of weeks. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a fine game. It just it's didn't quite hit the game. right button for us. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I don't disagree with anything you said, but it doesn't need to be on my shelf anymore.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, different strokes for different folks, right? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. All right. All right. And I think that is pretty much the games that we've been playing. I think
2: we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're not going to talk about games we've been playing, but games we really want to play this year. We'll be right back. So we just watched a who It movie this weekend and we loved it. The puzzles and the logical connections are super fun and watching the detective lay it all out at the end, it's enough to make your head spin.
1: It's fun to do puzzles, too. And, like in that movie, sometimes they do indeed make your head spin.
2: This is a snap review for Headspin. Headspin is a fast-moving puzzle game for two players from Project Genius.
1: It's best for ages 12 and up, and takes about 20 minutes to play.
2: So in here, let's talk about the art in Headspin.
1: There are two main elements in this game. The spinners and the cards. The spinners look like a multicolored bike lock with four rotating columns. Each column has four colors in it, red, purple, yellow, and blue. They're pretty satisfying to spin with a slip-and-stick action that kind of reminds me of a Rubik's Cube.
2: Then there are the cards. They are large and square, and each one has some kind of puzzle on it that uses all four colors.
1: Cleverly, the cards are double-sided with the answer to each question on the reverse side of the card, underneath a different puzzle.
2: Oh, and the box has a slot where you can stand up a card to see the puzzle a little bit more clearly. That's pretty handy.
1: So, Andrew, let's talk about the mechanics and how we play Headspin.
2: Well, each player gets a spinner. There's only two of them in the box, so if you want to play with more people, you're going to need to buy the $10 expansion pack, which includes two more.
1: Flip a puzzle card and put it in the box so everyone can see it. Then, race to solve the puzzle first. Move the wheels on your spinner so the answer row, that's the one with arrows pointing to it, shows the answer to the puzzle. Every puzzle solution will contain all four
2: colors. Whoever thinks they got the answer first slams their spinner down on this disc that says, First. When the other player finishes, they place their spinner on the (laughs) 2nd place landing pad.
1: Then, it's time to flip over the puzzle card and check the answer. If the first player got the answer right they get the card. If they got it wrong, and the second place answer is right, the second place player gets the card.
2: If placing spinners was a tie, or if no one got the right answer, no one wins. Discard the card, and try a new one.
1: Then it's time to move on to a new puzzle. Whoever solves ten puzzles first wins the game.
2: There are 100 double-sided cards in the box, and ten different kinds of puzzle. The only thing they all have in common is that you'll be putting the four colors together in some order. So Nietzsche, what did we expect from Headspin?
1: Just looking at the spinning puzzle wheels and the question cards, I expected this to be a brain-stretching, puzzly kind of game. It looked like I would have to get the spinner wheels into a certain orientation to solve each puzzle, but I expected there would be more challenge in moving the pieces around on the wheels, more like a sliding puzzle.
2: Again, this is Project Genius. Just like DeBlocko, this is a good-looking puzzle game. I expected it to be solid gameplay-wise. It doesn't really have the kind of classic tabletop puzzle feel, like living room table kind of a thing. But it felt good in the hands, and the puzzles were clear. So I expected to really like this and play it a lot with our 12-year-old. There were some surprises. What surprised us about Headspin?
1: I was surprised that the answers were always represented by just a single row on the spinner. It means that for me, the hard part is figuring out the puzzle, not using the spinner. There is quite a variety in the puzzles, too. I think my favorite is either color confusion, which has color names written over different colored boxes, or missing color, which shows four columns with a color missing from each column.
2: I think I like the logic puzzles the best, which give a series of facts, and you need to sort out what the order of the colors actually is, and then you set them into the spinner you know, as quickly, quickly as possible.
1: I didn't love this game. I really wish there had been more variety. Not in the puzzles themselves, there are ten different kinds of puzzles, but in the solutions to the puzzles. Knowing that every solution would contain every color exactly once, felt limiting and made some of the puzzles too easy. Because of this, needing to win ten times felt way too long. I'd cut it down to five or maybe eight wins, which should take less than 15 minutes.
2: I actually agree on the ten puzzles feeling too long thing. For us, we did like a best of five or a best of seven, and that really helped. But while we're talking about surprises, I'm surprised to hear that each color appears once in the solution, because I did not know that. (laughs) So this explains how you were able to beat me. So, in nature, do we recommend Headspin?
1: I think Headspin would make a good and unexpected gift for a preteen or teenager who loves puzzly things. They can race their friends and argue over who's the better solver. Teenagers don't argue about stuff like that. (laughs) Oh, no, never. not at all. I think
2: Headspin is a fun game to play with different generations that may not include kids. Hmm. Parents and grandparents, teenagers, aunts and uncles, or friends, like you said. It's a little more toy than game to me, though, and it's a toy that requires at least two players, which does limit its appeal a little bit.
1: So, Andrew, what are we going to rate Headspin from Project Genius? Well, I think we're going to
2: give Headspin three puzzles out of five.
1: And that's Headspin in, in a, a snack. snack. So we're here with Nick, and we're going to talk about the games that we are really hyped for in 2023.
2: So here's what I did. I don't know what you all did, but I picked five games, and I separated them into three categories. I have games we know are coming, I have a game that I want bad, that I hope is coming this year, and I have a game that, like, I really want to want it, okay. but I don't think it's going to work for my family. Actually, oh. technically I have two of those games. but. <laughs> All right. Um, So I have those three categories, so we can touch them in any... It doesn't matter. I'll just go through them all, and I'll tell you what category it falls in when I name the game. Okay. So who wants to go first?
1: I have three games, and they're actually all from the, uh, shall we say, the Greater Hachette group. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. But I got to see a preview of a bunch of stuff that they had coming uh, well, back at on Unplugged. Right, why
2: don't you start with the game that I know is also on my list?
1: Sure. Yes. Ooh, we have overlap. For flashback zombie kids.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we already talked about the franchise earlier. In
1: Everybody the knows we are for this game. <laughs>
2: yes. Absolutely.
1: Our kids are going to love this game. Yep. It's entirely different from the other zombie kids and zombie teens games. But it's still set in the same universe. It has the same characters in it. And that same kind of goofy sort of uh, illustration. And it's actually coming out this week. Oh, cool. (laughs) By the time this show airs, it should be available to buy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the cover of this game looks like a kid kind of wearing VR goggles. That's sort of what the cover looks like if you're looking for it in the store. Yeah.
1: Zombie Kids Evolution is great that you know you're working towards an endpoint. Flashback Zombie Kids is going to be a... Total of about 12 plays before you're completely done with the game. And the style of play is a lot more like a seek and find game like Micro Macro Crime City.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So you're solving mysteries kind of as you go, like where did, you know, this zombie come from? Or how did this kid end up over there? Or, you know, you're answering these various questions and trying to figure out what happened in a scene. You're going to collect gadgets along the way that are going to allow you to go back and re-examine some of those scenes and get even more information later. And it may change up the way the story works. I'm a little unclear on that part, but it seems really neat. And I like that idea of, you know, it's that same idea again of like, this is a limited number of plays I think without being a legacy game this time. So you might be able to pack it all up again and give it to somebody else. Yeah,
0: I don't know about that. I don't know. So mechanically totally different than the other games. Yes. Interesting. Okay.
1: I will also tease that there will be another game coming out in the Zombie Kids universe, uh, but it might not be until 2024. And this will be another one that is completely mechanically different.
0: So is that like top secret information you can't talk about? I mean,
1: that is about all I can say. Oh,
0: ah, okay. We'll just have to keep listening every week until you spill the beer. Yeah, right? But it sounded cool. She knows more than I do. So there you go. Oh, wow, she's good at keeping secrets. She wouldn't even tell you.
1: <laughs> I'm good at keeping secrets for myself. If I don't write it down, I will forget details. So. It's, a,
0: it's a strategy. I mean, come on. <laughs>
2: All right, so that was the first one on my list of games that we knew was coming this year. It's coming out this week. The next one that's on my list is a game called Fit to Print. So this is a game from Peter McPherson. He did Tiny Towns, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we absolutely love. Fit to Print is a really interesting looking I've never seen it kind of in action. I think in each of you have seen it. In I, I
1: did see people playing it at Pax Unplugged, yeah.
2: But similarly to the way that I talked about how I really like the backpack and Chronicles of a Veil and you have to, like, there's, like, a physical fit puzzle there. Fit to print is kind of the same. You are arranging articles for a newspaper. So you're, like, trying to... newspaper? What's that? uh, So you're literally (laughs) trying to, like typeset, basically, all the articles for the newspaper, and that's the core fundamental mechanic of the game. It just looks really cool. Um, I really like... I mean, Peter is a great guy. I think we've had him on the show. He's super nice. I want to support him. And I think the game looks like a whole ball of fun. So that's something that I'm looking forward to in 2023.
1: I am less excited about it. I'm certainly willing to play it. So Yeah,
2: I mean, that's all I can ask for, right? <laughs> and Nitra, you're like the book nerd.
1: This one is a table hog. I okay. mean, he says it's like you're laying out a newspaper. Yeah, it's cut down in size. But each player has their own newspaper thing that they're laying out. And the articles are all cardboard pieces that fit on top of it. So it takes up so much room on the table. I don't know something about the way it looked laid out. It just it didn't really grab me. I'm gonna keep an open mind. It, it might be great. I might love it. But it's not something I'm super hyped for
2: well i am so that's fine that's my very mature way of uh
0: putting there you it. go i love it all right nick what do you got okay so i'm gonna set this up because the hype for this one has been since i've been a kid because i had this as a game growing up as a kid it's been restored by one of my favorite publishers restoration Games. so i'm trying to set the scene here dramatically so 200 300 years in the future a dystopian world has hit we have nuclear fallout fighting over resources over gas everything's a desert so we're Fast forwarding into Thunder Road. Uh-huh. I am totally excited for this game. I had it as a kid. I have fond memories of playing it with my dad while we were watching like the edited for TV back in the 80s. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. you know Matt original, you know, second Mad Max and third Mad Max. So I remember just playing it with my dad a lot as a kid and uh, their new incarnation Thunder Road Vendetta just looks phenomenal. It's to- pays total homage to the original. And then a restoration game style, they modernize it, added a lot of modern mechanics, but kept the soul of the game. Where like in the original game, they had these massive big boards and you would like kind of puzzle piece them together. So you'd get to the end of the board and you would take the board and then move it and then cars could fall off. Or it's just a Mad Max style carnage. You're shooting cars, jumping oil slicks and got little helicopters that you're going to go on. You try to take other cars out and it's just like a survival of the fittest. So I'm really excited for it. I went all in, maximum Chrome edition, you know. So I'm looking forward to flying to Valhalla, you know, and some <laughs> out muscle cars. All
2: right, nice.
0: I love that because that's
2: I don't know. it's it seems like the perfect game for you, and I have no interest in it. <laughs> but I, but that's awesome. Like I love that you love it, and that's oh, yeah. great. I'm looking forward to hearing about it, but I don't ever need
0: to play it. <laughs> ah, the original was so great. I need. I would love love to get a copy. So yeah, just really excited for this one. This the production is just restoration games. I mean, they, oh they're, yeah, they're phenomenal. Oh yeah, yeah, can't wait. Awesome.
1: I guess that makes it my turn again.
0: Yeah. I mean, you only have three, and I I
1: have more than
2: three, so I can go again if you want. That's right. Okay.
1: I'll go. Uh, So, another one that's actually coming out quite soon, I think it's in February, is Koale. So, this is another one of those classic Gigamic abstract games. You've got three colors of wooden tokens that look kind of like flat stones. And then this board, that's a four by four board with sort of not indentations, more like outdentations.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Extrusions?
1: Uh, yeah. The idea behind Kowale is that it is a four in a row tic tac toe game combined with Mancala style movement and tiling. So you're trying to make four in a row, but you're picking up a whole stack and laying them out one at a time, Mancala style. And you have your color, the opponent's color, and a neutral color. So it seems like it's going to be a really interesting balance of how do you make this work. It just looks really cool to me. I love the presentation of these Gigamic Abstract games. And it just speaks to me. That's all I can say.
2: I'm beginning to wonder if by the end of 2023, we're going to have like a dedicated shelf of just the
0: Gigamic (laughs) games. Say that again, Andrew. What's the name of this publisher? Gigamic. I love the way you say that. You've talked about them the last couple episodes. I get little chills when I hear you say it. That.
2: <laughs> That's because I listen to Danny when she says it, and she could speak French, so
0: whatever. There you go. I was hoping you'd say it. But <laughs> well, now I feel special. <laughs> oh, you are. We love you.
1: You are special. Oh, my gosh. All
0: right. Let's see. Uh,
2: my turn, I guess. Your turn. So, the next game on my list is a game that is finally coming out. I played this game, I think, pre pandemic. During pandemic. Was it? I don't. Mm, i
1: don't it know was, it was boston fig virtual
2: so that was 2020 yeah okay so still three years ago like it was, it time. was still a long time here. Yeah. and this is steam up
0: the dim sum game have you seen this is it like the big one it's got all the pieces and stuff and like a-
1: it
2: has like a rotating like dim sum board with the little i don't know what they call the little steamer, steamer basket things i don't know i played it on a uh, tabletop simulator with pauline who is one of the mm-hmm. designers And it was a really neat game. I mean, it's just, it's a, you know, set collection kind of variable player power game. I just, I don't know. I love the idea of playing a competitive Dim Sum game because Dim Sum (laughs) is kind of like all about this very community sharing kind of a thing. I know it's just a kind of an interesting take on it. And I found... You know, the pieces conceptually, because I played it digitally, to be really cute and appealing. And then seeing all of the prototypes and then the actual product pictures, like, it looks great.
1: Let me tell you, the pieces are really cute and appealing. And most of the various little dim sum things are squishy. Oh, are they really? They're not like wooden meeples or something. Oh, that's awesome. They're a little bit squishy. See, that makes
0: me even more interested in playing this game. Yeah. So it's got some bling to it.
1: Yeah, I I did get to see this one in person at PAX Unplugged as well. Jelly.
0: Like the pieces, apparently. Like
1: the pieces. (laughs) It's going to be a great game. All
0: right. And that means it's back to Nick. All right. So this one technically came out at Essen in 2022. I saw a lot of buzz about it um, during like the Essen because it's just like every other gamer here, like. Well, Andrew, you mm-hmm. went to ask, you lucky dog. I was and, lucky, uh, <laughs> you know, very lucky. I know that you had to work, but yeah, I saw a lot, lot of stuff on Facebook on Twitter talking about it. I'm hoping I pronounce this right because I am not German and I can't speak German, but <laughs> I believe it's called Scarf. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, and I um, and you were too busy, so I didn't want to, you know, bug you to make you go pick this up from Amigo from for me. But I tweeted I, I, at them. I would afterwards, have afterwards, and I asked them like, "Hey, is this going to be released in the states?" say yes, it should be coming out sometime this year, and I just peeked on Board Game Geek. And there's a thread they said they should have it by Gen Con of this year and maybe some copies at BGG Con. But we'll see if I go to either of those <laughs> at this point is doubtful, but we'll see. But anyways, yeah, this game is actually about chilies and hot sauce, something I do not eat or enjoy. I'm not a hot, spicy kind of guy. I don't eat that stuff, but I like weird, quirky card games. I love Ravensburger's High Duck Mau Mau. I hunted that down and imported it from Germany because it just looked really quirky and fun and love it. So this one just looks weird. It's a game about, it's like a set collection game about collecting chilies and spicy cards. It's got some interesting mechanics where you're going to draft them, play cards in groups to determine your draft order. And then you can you know go around round robin and, and turn order you know by whoever played these higher value cards, draft these chili cards, and then you're going to eventually trade them in to make hot sauce. So if I have six cards, I can trade them in for the six point value hot sauce. So it just looks super fun the artwork is kind of silly on it language independent there's no reading there's no nothing so it should be great with kids and i think this would be a good one for my family so i'm really looking forward to South scarf or however <laughs> they whatever they change it to in the united states maybe it'll just be called hot sauce or something maybe i
2: think it's sharp so sharp
0: so sharp yeah And it's wolf game cromer so mm. oh, there you go yeah. yeah
2: yeah it's a very angry looking hot sauce on the uh, outside yeah, of this thing yeah. he, he looks very unhappy
0: Definitely include a photo in the show notes at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I was a real man on, on, when I kept seeing it on the socials. So. That's funny. Yeah.
2: So sharp. And that brings it back to Anisha.
1: Okay. So this is my last one. Although you guys are mentioning stuff that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. Or like, I saw that and that looks cool. My last one is a game called Miller's Zoo. So this is going to be coming out from Randolph, which is another cachet group.
2: Hold on. Let me try this one. You ready, Nick? Yeah.
1: Randolph.
0: (laughs) Randolph.
1: (laughs) All right. Chills, Andrew, chills. So Miller Zoo is, I don't want to call it an educational game, but it is an educational game. It is a, I guess, more of a historically inspired game, a better way to put it. Following a real zoo, and it's a cooperative game where you are the team in charge of running this zoo in Canada that is called the Miller Zoo. Uh, So you're trying to meet every animal's needs and overcome challenges and crises. So in seeing it, it reminds me a little bit of the various save endangered species kind of games that we've seen. But these aren't endangered species. This is taking care of, you know, a specific animal or group of animals within a zoo setting. It looks really, really cool. The board is beautiful. The cards are incredibly well done. Great graphic design on them. The little bit that I got to see everything was in French because Randolph the publisher is based out of Quebec, (laughs) but it will be coming to the US in English before the end of the year. Probably by Gen Con. The thing is that even with everything in French and my very limited French speaking skills, I could still understand probably 80% of how this game played. So it's definitely going to be in that eight plus nine plus age range, you know, not super complex and not really hard to get into, but with a fair bit of depth, you know, there's a variety of different animals that can come out and different ways that you have to take care of them.
0: The artwork in this is really pretty.
1: It's really nice. There's nothing about it that makes me go like, you know, oh, that's amazing, and nobody's ever done that before. It's just a lot of pieces put together really well, I think. Yeah, it looks really cool.
2: Cool. Not to relate the theme too much, but it almost like has a little bit of that Savannah Park feel where it's like, I don't know that there's anything here that's completely mind-blowing, but it just does everything well.
1: Yeah, it really looks like it is going to be that style, that everything fits together really well. It's inspired by real life, so you can use it in an educational way to talk with kids or teenagers or adults about, you know, what does this mean? And I never really thought about that before. And how does this work? Oh, and it says it's co-op, too. Yes, it is completely cooperative. So you're you're not trying to build the best zoo and be better than, you know, your your friends. You're trying to work together to maintain this zoo.
2: Also, plays up to six players in 30 minutes. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. I am uh, also interested in Miller Zoo. Yeah, me too. I there knew you go. would.
0: <laughs> Thumbs up on that one. I love animal games. All right, let's see. I'll, I'll go for that since I was just talking about the super young uh, family friendly one. So we're buzzing through the 2023 release list on Board Game Geek. And there is a game called Stamp Farm. Keeping up with the, the animal theme. Animals. animals. We love animals, right? It's uh, rated ages six and up. It's from uh, DV Games. But what's really struck me as interesting is actually, you know, we all love rolling rights. Andrew's been on like the rolling right kick the last (laughs) year. I remember we were teasing him a few years back, trashing on Andrew because he's always hating on rolling rights. And now he actually plays them willingly. But this one is looks like a stamp. Rolling stamp. stamp. Rolling. I don't know if there's any rolling, but yeah, there's definitely stamping. So I'm just looking at the pictures. Basically, it looks like you're running a farm and you have some stamps and you're going to stamp little colored animal onto your score sheet. It looks like you score points by grouping animals together. And then it looks like there's an advanced mode that has like some hay bale stamps and looks like you may score some extra points for it. But it looks super cute. Kids and stamps, probably can't go wrong with that. It looks super simple, super fun, and just something different. I, I haven't seen, you know, a board game that had any kind of stamping. And it looks like it has dice, so it looks like you may be rolling dice and having to stamp yeah. those colored animals onto your board somehow to, you know, group them to score points. So, really different. I thought it just looked cool. I thought it was worth mentioning.
1: The only game that I can think of that we've played much of that uses a stamp is Mountains by Hada. Oh, right. Again, the stamping is something that will pull in a younger kid with the opportunity to like, oh man, I get to stamp my card. Awesome. So I can definitely see this game. Having worked with enough very young children, I think there's gonna be a fine line here between kids who are able to follow the rules and only stamp when they're supposed to. Right. (laughs) Versus just taking the stamps and stamping everything.
0: Going crazy. Yeah.
1: But it is another nice step in that sort of like you're not really ready for a game where you have to write stuff and it needs to look like something specific, but you can use a stamp and a stamp will let you, you know, yes, I know I want a chicken here. Stamp the
0: chicken. Yeah. And I love it in the, in the description said this is a roll and stamp game. So we're pioneering a whole new genre <laughs> of roll and X games. So. All right. But yeah, it
2: looks cool. All right. Awesome. The next thing on my list is a game that I don't know if it's coming out this year. But I want it bad. Anitra also wants this game bad. We've been mm. wanting this game for a long time. It's a game that is being released by a publisher that has already been mentioned on this show. And it is Unmatched Teen Spirit. Oh, man. I want to play as Miss Marvel so bad. So, yeah. This is in the Marvel line. We haven't picked up any of the Marvel no, Unmatched uh, yet. titles yet. Yet. Um, they just haven't. Qu- I mean, the one with Daredevil in it, Like I'm a little tempted. But I'm holding off because this is the one that we identified first. So the Marvel sets have three characters in them, which is unique. Usually the unmatched sets have either two or four, unless you're talking about Bruce Lee or Deadpool, which are both single character sets. But Teen Spirit has Ms. Marvel, Cloak and Dagger, and Squirrel Girl.
0: Squirrel Girl, all right.
2: And I am all about this set. I just freaking love the idea of this. I mean, Ms. Marvel, obviously, with the TV show... Um, And then she's also, you play as her in the Avengers game, the The Square Enix Avengers game. She's always been kind of popular in our house anyway, and each has always been into Ms. Marvel. And the TV show 100% sucked me in.
1: I discovered Um, it from my local public library when it was still very new, when there were not a whole lot of Ms. Marvels out yet, but there was enough that they had made a little, you know, trade paperback of like the first four or five issues.
2: So I don't know, and I mean, Squirrel Girl is just—I—I I find her hilarious. Okay. So uh, yeah, I am super into uh, to getting this set, and I really, really hope it comes out this year because it's been kind of sitting on the tease oh, uh, wire so for long. for a long time. Oh. So um, yeah. That's it. That's the one that we want bad. Let's go, Restoration. Come on. These. No, I mean, I know that they, like, there was the whole weird licensing thing with Mondo, and, like, Mondo is going to do the Marvel stuff, and then, like, I guess now they're not, and I don't know what's going on with Mondo at all. I have no idea. I understand that it got kind of caught in this whole thing.
1: That doesn't stop us from wanting it. Yeah, I
2: mean, look, BGG does say 2023. So Let's hope. I'm gonna, you know, cross my fingers, hold my breath.
1: No, don't but, hold the uh,
2: breath. No. the art on this one, you know, Tool. He, I love his artwork.
1: Mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm
2: totally in on this. So yeah, so unmatched teen spirit.
0: Now, are there other Marvel unmatched games in the past yes or already out? This is the last one,
2: which drives me crazy. Oh,
0: okay. That's yeah. Of- yeah. So
2: there's Unmatched Redemption Row, which has already come out. This one has, let's see, Ghost Rider, Moon uh, Knight, and Luke Cage. Okay. And then there's a Hell's Kitchen one, which has Daredevil and Elektra and Bullseye. And then there, actually, there is another one that's coming out in 23, so I don't know which one's coming out first. But the other one that's coming out in 23 has Black Widow, Black Panther, and Winter Soldier in it. That one also looks really cool. Yeah, so I guess, I guess I want both of the 23 ones. There
1: you
2: go. Uh, Teen Spirit's the one I definitely want more. But, I mean, Black Widow, Black Panther, and Winter Soldier is a pretty good set. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I think I want that one also.
0: I don't know. Ghost Rider just sounds awesome. That might be the one to get me introduced. I love Ghost Rider. Like he's like the heavy metal, you know, comic book biker jacket, you know. Like I guess you know.
2: so. Have you have you actually played on Much Unmatched?
0: No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. that's that's shameful. <laughs> that's just shameful. Well, Jace is getting older. He can probably handle some of that now. So Yeah, yeah. Right yeah, up. it's good. You,
2: you, I mean, you could start with a Marvel set. And the nice thing about yeah, starting yeah. with a Well, the nice thing about starting with a Marvel set is that because it's three characters, You have a bunch of different combinations. So it could be Daredevil versus Electra, or Daredevil versus Bullseye, or Electra versus Bullseye, or, you know, and then you've got a
1: three way or a three way. Or
2: you turn it around and you you have, you know, other people play the other characters. So you've got a lot of options there, which is better than a two player set. Uh, The four player sets are great. I really like Mm -hmm. Battle of Legends Volume 2. It's you know, right up there with Cobble and Fog as my favorites. But I don't think those are characters that are going to excite Jace all that much.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: So I would say go with the Marvel stuff because he's going to recognize those characters.
0: They need to do like an Enola Holmes because, you know, they have the don't they have the Sherlock one, right? Yeah, Sherlock is in Cobble
2: and Fog. I mean, Cobble and Fog has the Invisible Man and Dracula and Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But, like, I don't know that those are going to pique the interest of, like, an 8 to
0: 10-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although he's been, he loved those in all the Holmes movies that were just recently on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So it could work. I would also say, although there are only two-player sets, both of the Jurassic Park sets are really, really good. And they hit right in that preteen boy okay. sweet spot.
2: I mean, I, I think, you know, you can really get anything. You know, start with something that has IP that you know he's going to like. And right. then if he likes it, you. I mean, they're all cross-compatible. So oh that part is pretty sweet. But anyway, Teen Spirit, Unmatched Teen Spirit and Unmatched
1: for King and Country. I want them both. I mean, we don't even have it yet, but I really want to do Ms. Marvel versus T-Rex. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, I
0: can That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Nick, you're last. All right. So I have a game called Bonsai. So box cover took me. You know me. I'm all about theme and I like quirky themes. It's another one from DV Games. Just happen to be scrolling mm-hmm, through their mm-hmm. list of stuff. Yeah, it looks like a pretty simple, family-friendly, ages eight and up. Plays one to four players. Has a solo mode apparently. And uh, it looks like what you're doing is you have two actions on your turn. You could either meditate or cultivate. So on a meditate action, you could you take a card, you get some bonsai tiles, and you'll pop them in front of you. And then if you want to cultivate, you actually will take these little uh, hex-shaped tiles and then build a bonsai tree. So you, kind of like tactically build a like beautiful looking bonsai tree out of these hex tiles. And it looks like you're going to score points for the certain tiles you place down. There'll be flowers and stuff. You could be some type of points or something awarded for, you know, having a beautiful tree or however you build these trees. But it looks really cool. I'm looking at the photos on the site. Cool. And uh, you're actually physically building a, a bonsai tree on the table as you're playing this game. So it looks really cool. Kind of quirky theme. You don't see a lot. Yeah, And uh, kind of reminds me of like the, what is it? The Karate Kid 2 movie where uh, <laughs> Mr. Miyagi opened the Bonsai store. So it's kind of <laughs> harkens back to that. All right. Well, I'll close this thing out with the game slash games that I want
2: to want. So we have talked in our family a little bit about this game that we have played and that Anitra and I really enjoy. And I don't understand why the kids don't like it more in my city. So this is a simultaneous tile laying uh, legacy game. Yep. It's a great game. I don't understand why our kids are so disinterested in playing it, but they are. Uh, this year, My Island is coming out, which is kind of this basically spiritual successor. If you look at it, you're like, oh, that looks like My City, but it's on an two. island. Yeah. And then also, My City Roll and Build mm-hmm. is coming out. So this is a roll and write kind of in that same genre, same IP, I guess. It's kind of weird to call it an IP, but yeah. sort of universe. in that same <laughs> family, universe, whatever. <laughs> So these are the games that I want to want. Definitely would love to play these games at a convention or something. I think roll and build is a little more likely because it's probably not quite a legacy game like My Island is going to be. But, you know, if you played My City and you enjoyed it, you should be aware that My Island is coming out. That's going to be something you're going to want to pick up this year. And then, again, My City roll and build, definitely something that I want to check out. So that's pretty much it. I'm going to go down my list. Games we know are coming. Zombie Kids Flashback, I'm excited for. Fit to print. I'm excited for Steam Up. Yeah. Very excited for that game as well. Unmatched for King and Country and Unmatched Teen Spirit. And then my Want to Want, My Island, and My City Rolling build.
1: So I also had the Flashback Zombie Kids on my list. Kowale and Miller Zoo. All of those I am super hyped for.
0: All right. Okay, and then so mine, my super hyped one is Thunder Road Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then followed up by Bonsai, Bonsai building game, South Scarf, Stamp Farm. And then one of my honorable mentions, uh, I don't know anything about it because they just teased it, is there's a Camel Up card game coming. So i that in there for an honorable mention. I just saw the email from the publisher. <sighs> All right, cool. Awesome. <sighs> All right, well, Anitra, where can people go to tell us what games
2: they're looking forward to in 2023?
1: Well, the best place would probably be the Family Gamers Facebook community. Easiest way to get there is go to thefamilygamers.com slash community. drop you right in. You can join us, and we will welcome you on the show next week.
2: Yes, we will. You can find us on all of the social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at FamilyGamersAA.
1: You can also email any one of us or all of us. Yep. I am at Anitra at TheFamilyGamers.com.
0: I am at Andrew at TheFamilyGamers.com. And I'm at Nick at TheFamilyGamers.com. We've got a system.
2: (laughs) It works. (laughs) The system
0: works.
2: (laughs) Check out our Family Gamers and Play Games with Your Kids merchandise and a balanced life merchandise. I should mention that as well. T-shirts, mugs, hoodies, more at TheFamilyGamers.com forward slash merch.
1: Please don't forget to subscribe to the show and tell your friends about the podcast and even better, leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever your subscription comes from.
2: All right, Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Head over to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to find out how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up your victory points and some money to buy those games for 2023.
1: Well, I think that's going to be it for us this week.
2: All right, well, Nick, I think we're all looking forward to playing some games in the next week. So until next week, everybody,
1: play Play games games with your kids. kids.